Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Hello, dear ones. I hope you are having a reflective and rejuvenating January. There is often much to look back on in our lives that can serve as a resource to further us along in our trauma healing journeys. That is what Sea of a Million Lights montage today is intended to do. But before we get into today's bonus episode, I wanted to remind you about a special event we've got coming up. Oh, you don't want to miss it. It's a virtual conference on the science of trauma and the hope for trauma healing with renowned researchers, Dr. Babbitt Koteb and Dr. Dan Siegel. You can sign up for more information at www.icthat.org. That's I-C-T-H-A-T, the Integrative Center for Trauma Healing Advocacy and Transformation. All are welcome to register. Full-time students are free. It's intended for everyone, and in particular, physicians and medical personnel, sports coaches, mental health practitioners, EMS workers, clergy, and parents. CEUs will be available, and Johns Hopkins Medicine is approving three continuing medical education credits as well. (laughs) It's very exciting, and I look forward to learning more about trauma in the brain and its linkages to certain diseases and conditions and the potential for trauma healing on physical health. Wow. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it, what we are learning together? Okay. Now, For today's bonus episode, A Sea of a Million Lights. In the weeks after Archer's injury, while we were in Atlanta Care Trauma Intensive Care Unit, something magical happened back home in Baltimore. An angel on earth organized a prayer vigil for Archer at the Friends School, where my daughter Paula was working at the time. My husband, Billy, and two of my big kids just happened to be back in Baltimore that night. And Billy spoke from his heart about what it means when a community comes together and what those prayers and support meant to us. The event was picked up on local and national news channels, and Archer and I felt the energy back in our hospital room. Oh, never underestimate the power of collective positive intention. Together today, 
let's journey back to that August night with its sea of candlelights as we hear the voices of Carrie Lycus, the initiator of the prayer vigil, our daughter, Paula Sempt Easton at the Friends School, Kathy Lobo, the school nurse at the Cathedral School, Ned Inslee, a dad of one of Archer's close high school friends at McDonough School, Jackson Morrill, one of Archer's high school lacrosse friends in the grade above him, and Lisa Melanson, a Cathedral School mom who is in attendance. And you'll hear Billy in some news footage from that night. So settle in, take a deep breath, and bear witness. This is the sea of a million lights montage. So at the time when this uh, prayer vigil came about, um, I felt as if you were begging us to pray. Like you were holding on to this community saying, please pray for us, pray for our son, pray, you know, let's, you know, all get together and, and, and pray that, you know, he'll make this recovery. Um, and, oh my gosh, it was so grim, you know, <laughs> it was really so grim. Um, and there might be a little light and then there was more darkness. Um, so, I mean, I felt like I was on that ride with you and I felt like there was even more darkness at this time uh, when this was happening. And I felt like, you know, we really needed to do a prayer vigil and get everybody together and um, pray at once, you know, for Archer. Um, and so uh, I started reaching out. Can, uh, I, can I pause you right there? Sure. sure. It's, um, it's just extraordinary to me how you have just captured exactly how it was for me too. Really? Yeah. I don't know how you had the ability to think about other people or that net, like you had so much going on in the minute, like right in front of you. Um, but your ability to communicate that very minute is what allowed us into your life and into your prayer and to join you. I think so. So if you hadn't been able to, you know, open that, um, I don't know that everything would have happened the way it happened. It was incredible that the night you chose to have the prayer vigil was, was the night Archer was tanking and we were told we were out of options when his, both of his lungs were collapsing and he wasn't even able to be propped up with a ventilator or a lung machine. And you all were praying. It felt like that's where we were. I mean, that's what it felt like. And I wanted to do it quickly. I wanted to do it right away. Like, you know, time was like of the essence. And um, I felt like it needed to happen. And however it was going to happen. That instinct happen. was right on because yeah, it needed to time happen was of the essence. So how, so how did that come about? I mean, you had this so I had this idea that you know 
it would be a great idea to do. Um, we, when I say we, I was looking at different places that we could do vigil. Um, uh, some things didn't work out with cathedral. Well, I want I want whoa, whoa, that, that's a piece for me because as I'm going back to this, even at the time I thought to myself, oh, why was it at Friends? And of course, Paula worked there and I, I thought, oh my gosh, with all that's going on, Paula organized this. And then at the time, I remember saying, Paula, darling, how did you do this? And she's saying, Mama, I didn't. It was Mrs. Lycus. And I thought, why was Carrie? How did that happen? <laughs> that Carrie was organizing something at Friends. So tell me about that. So, um, you know, I don't know who was following everything that was going on day to day. I know the moms were. Yeah, the moms. Um, you know, I did reach out to Cathedral and um, I know that they wanted to do something, but they weren't going to do it imminently. You know, they were going to wait. They wanted to wait, um, I think, until Archer came back home. Um, oh, interesting. They wanted to wait till Archer came back. I Well, I'm appreciative of that vote of confidence because right, I, I right. thought they may have wanted to wait <laughs> upon his funeral. Oh, no. I think, you know, I, it wasn't like it was... A no, it just wasn't in my time frame. Like quite frankly, it just was not. And I, as I was, you know, I gotta applaud you on that too. That's so beautiful. Oh, waiting was not in your time frame. No. And what was funny was while I was pursuing um, the cathedral and trying to just say, okay, well, could we do this on the step imminently? Could you know? I'm coming up with these different ideas to make something happen quickly and. Um, bottom line, it was not happening quickly enough for me, but when I was calling them, uh, somebody asked me, I don't remember who it was. And they said, oh, well, do you know, are you with Kathy Morgan Dendrinos? And I said, no, I don't, I don't know her. She said, oh, well, she's been calling here too. Oh and my said, gosh. Kathy Dendrino. Hey. She's been a friend for a long time too. Yeah. And so and I you said, didn't oh, know each other. No. So I said, you know what? I said, I'm working on something right now. I said, can I have her phone number? I said, I, you know, I want to reach out to her. So um, things like kind of started to progress. Um, Matthew was at friend's school. Um, I called Matt Michike and I said, um, hey, you know, you know, Paul is here. You know, I, I'm not sure if you know, she said, yes, yes, yes. You know, I know. And I said, I'm really looking at for a venue. Um, uh, to do a prayer vigil. And I said, I wanted to see if we could do it at friends. Yes. I mean, before I even like finished like my sentence, he was saying, yes, yes, yes. Wow. Um, just the, and, just the uh, responsiveness is tremendous. And I said, okay. And I said, so, you know, where could we have it? So it's called something. I know I wrote it down. It's like the something glade, the picnic glade. Picnically out and out in front on their all their their big grounds. It's between their it's like between their two buildings, like the gym and then another one of their buildings. And so it's kind of carved out where they would have musicians or little different performances, and there's some picnic tables around it. Um, it's just this little open area. And he's, you know, and so that's where I didn't know what it was called ever, but that's what it's called. And and he said, Yes, we can do it there. And I said, Okay. I said, there's I said, I so appreciate it. He's like, you know, I'll get you um, 
all the alert, you know, all the equipment you need, the audio, we'll get it set up. You know, have these people make sure, you, you know, it's set up when you get like, I mean, he just was on top of it. And then he said, you know, you know, absolutely. Let me know if there's anything else you need. And I said, well, there's one other thing. And I said, can we have candles? And I'm thinking, you know, legally, you know, I was thinking, oh gosh, he's going to say no, like we can't have candles. And he said, yes, you can. Oh my. And that was like so huge to me. I thought that was wonderful. Oh, really wanted candles. Um, and he said, yes. And so that was really exciting. And so I was communicating uh, now with Kathy and I said, okay, we've got the place, we've got the time. Um, and then uh, I wanted to find someone that could sing for us and have music. Um, and so I explored a couple options and then somebody told me about Miranda Lasseter. And she had such an amazing voice. And we went through song after song after song to pick the songs for the opening, for the candle lighting and for the end. Um, and, you know, we'd be like, no, 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 those lyrics are wrong. You know, like, no, 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 that's, no, that's not positive enough. Or like, there were just different things that we wanted to pick. And I felt like words were not enough that we almost needed quiet. Um, we needed to listen to music, kind of be in that moment mm. for Archer versus like just mm. people talking, you know, having different people talk. Um, and you're gonna think this is funny. So Melissa Greenhouse Deller had been, you know, working with um, Kathy and I once this was like kind of set up and she wanted me to talk to Loretta Kane. Okay. I don't know Loretta Kane. You know Loretta. Did you know did you know Melissa too? Oh my gosh. I've known Melissa since Matt was two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yes, Melissa and I are great friends. All these different women. So she's like, I want to connect two of my favorite people together. And she connected myself with Loretta. If I didn't have notes of this, I would probably forget all these details, but I do. And so Loretta, um, you know, wanted to do anything she could to, you know, to do to help. Yeah, another so exploring, by the way, we're exploring all kinds of options right now, not just the prayer vigil, like, you know, discussing what can be done, what can we do for the family. And um, so she was involved. And originally, Loretta was going to be saying the prayer mm. at the vigil. And um, so we had it set up, there was music. So I just want to go back to Miranda real quick. I mean, her voice was just, it was beautiful. It was perfect. Did you see on YouTube? No, I have never seen. Oh, because I saw the news clip and that's the only thing no, I've There's ever. another one and it's Billy's, Billy speaking. That, that's the piece I have. A small okay. So, and then there's one on where Billy. you can see the candles and Miranda is singing. Mm. And it was just, it was. Oh, I'd love to get a copy of that. Had, I guess yeah. she had her guitar with her. And so it was just, I know, I don't have a copy of it either. And it, it was just magical, her singing. Um, and so it was very touching. Like I have to say her contribution was huge. Um, I tried to call her today to, you know, say, hey, I want to mention you. And, you know, I don't know if she's still singing. But I'd love she, to be able to play her music. It was 
lovely. Um, so music was important. The candles were important. Um, we had the place. Who provided the candles? That's a good question. And I don't remember this part exactly. And I did text Kathy. She says hello. She's tied up right now. But um, I remember her going and picking them up somewhere. Mm -hmm. not close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember she had to drive somewhere to pick them up for us. And I feel like perhaps someone in the church donated them. What's well, funny because Matt said to me, Matt Michigan, he said, you know, have you talked to the family about <laughs> And I was like, uh, oh, I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, I was like, no and i said i just i guess i figured you were so involved in everything going on and it wasn't where you were that i wasn't thinking about it but i said oh yeah and so i called paula and um she probably doesn't remember there's, there was so much going on in your lives and i talked to her and i have a you know where i'm telling matt i did talk to paula you know paula's on board she says it's fine she's very happy about collective prayer and you know well, she, that that might be how then billy found out because that, i didn't that, even know well, that I think it was the day before that i talked that i talked to her oh that would make sense that's falling into place now because we just sort of didn't see billy um for like a day and then i come to find a funny out story too a piece of news a clip from the baltimore city you know one of the news anchor stations um, and there's Billy speaking at this prayer vigil. <laughs> so I'm getting ready for the vigil. Like I have to be there early and I can even tell you what time it was like five o'clock. Okay. And it starts at eight 30 and I'm getting ready. And I guess I didn't get the phone. And I see, Oh my God, there's a call from Billy. And I'm thinking, I'm just like shocked, you know, that he's calling in the middle of what's going on. And so I say, hi, you know, Billy. He's like, listen, I hear you're having a prayer vigil. And I said, yes, yes, we are. I said, you know, are you, are you in town? You can come. Yes. He goes, well, I'd like to speak. And I said, oh, I was like, okay. I was like, that's great. And I said, we were going to have Loretta, you know, do a prayer, but that's even better if, you know, you can do it. So I was thrilled that he was going to be there, but it also made me really nervous that he was going to be there because- wow. I guess I wanted, I really wanted everything to be perfect and I didn't want anything not perfect, especially because your family was, you know, Billy was going to be standing there knowing this is about his son. Like I didn't want anything to go off without a hitch and I just, I wanted it to be beautiful and um, so I don't know. So it made me nervous that he was coming, but it was fine. Like when it like, it like raised the stakes for you that he was going to actually be there. It did. It, it, it did, you know, because I felt responsible, I guess for it like I really did in that way and, um, and all the planning that you had done but it was Billy who just called and said I want to come and, said, and I want to I mean I didn't even know what to say I was thinking how can you even speak right now like like I said it was bad things were not good at that time and um I mean he did a marvelous job and if you've seen the clip you didn't hear everything he said didn't um and you know I'm going from memory um and you've seen the part where he talks about how Archer is really smart and he knew that his brain was gonna help him. Did you hear that part? I heard that part. 
And I remember thinking at the time, and then we're all praying and just, you know, praying for the best. And you, I remember looking at him trying to figure out, is he in denial right now? Is he really where he is? Like, because, and you could tell he was a father trying to like hang on. But to me, it was like, he was hanging by a thread. That's just how I felt. Like he was praying and he wasn't letting go, but it was, you could just tell where he was, that it was, you know, heartbreaking and that he was dealing with so much. I don't know how he did, got up and spoke. You know, I'm, I'm wondering with the prayer vigil, what what you think was the impact of that vigil? I mean, I think that there were people that may have never really prayed before and prayed. You know, people that knew you, people that knew Archer. Um, like you said, people wanted to do something. Um, and it was really hard to figure out what would be the best way to help or what could we do. And I think um, it's it's weird. I, I have to pause for a second and say, you know, when I go through my notes of this, it's not like I had an Archer Semp notebook. These are my notes from my life. And I can see like what was going on in my life at that time, mm -hmm. okay? That, mm -hmm different issues we were having, you know, and everybody has that, right? Like yeah. everybody has yeah. all these things going on at the same time while you're trying to go to this vigil, but people did it. And people without hesitation put themselves in it and whatever they had, kids that were showing up, you know, in their gym shorts and whatever sport they were playing and they're gonna come right after their game or their practice or whatever. And people just interrupted, um, you know, it's that like life interrupted piece that, okay, what's most important right now? Stop, like stop all these other things. You can go for an hour and be there to pray for someone that's in, no matter all these things I read that's going on in my life, it was, it was like nothing thinking about if this were my son, you know, wouldn't I want someone to say, hey, this is a little bit more important than this other thing you had planned or you're tired or, you know, oh, you're and, tired. And they did. They, oh, they, you're tired. They hmm. You know, I mean, I'm thinking about where you were and what was happening with you. And I think it really did make people conscious of like how fragile life is and mm -hmm. how important it is to be there for other people and to realize your blessings and just know like you have to be there for that person like that person needs you right now and that that has to trump every other little detail or minor problem you have going on this is big like this person needs you now
as I look out tonight, I can say that, you know, I very much feel that we're surrounded with your love and your prayers. And I know Archer feels that. Bill Sense, 17-year-old son, is engaged in the toughest battle of his life. The teen broke his neck when he dove into a sandbar in Cape May on August 5th. Right now, the McDonough student is paralyzed from the neck down. He's been in the intensive care unit at a New Jersey hospital since the accident. It really is a fluke accident. You know, everything's fine one second and then something happens. And I do think that sits with everybody. Dozens of well-wishers joined Sam's family for a vigil Thursday night. The family is deeply rooted in their faith and they're praying for a miracle. I do believe that when we all say amen together, that sends up something really powerful. Prayer can change anything. It can do, work miracles. So at this point, I think we need to do all we can to try to make that happen. On a blog dedicated to the teen's recovery, Sense Family says Archer's injury is preventing him from speaking. However, they say he's been able to see all the messages of support dubbed Archer Strong. With this support, there's no way he can fail. I want to tell you all something. He's got a great brain. He's a smart guy. And no matter what happens, I believe. And with that, he's going to have a full life. And we're going to help make that happen. Well, I remember the prayer vigil, uh, vigil, certainly. Um, we typically start school the Wednesday before Labor Day. So this wasn't Labor Day weekend. No. So maybe Dutchie was starting school before I started school formally, which would make sense. Um... I was living in Federal Hill, um, had only been living there for about a month. And I didn't particularly, um, I mean, I, I knew the girls I was living with, but they, they weren't like any of my best friends. They were younger than I was in Theta. So I remember um, I'm pretty sure that this was around the time that they organized a whole basket of Theta love letters. And I think I received like 300 love letters from mostly people I didn't know. Yeah, most of them were like on construction paper and just said like a couple words. Like they weren't like anything. Like I'm pretty sure it must have been like a craft activity at the house on like a Sunday. And they had no idea who I was. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were just writing letters <laughs> to me. <laughs> Um, to put in with the bunch. But then there were certainly some that were from people I did know um, who I had been in school with who um, did write longer letters. Mm. But the majority of them were kind of just like, you know, they were, they were um, beautiful, awesome, colorful letters. Um, do you remember that prayer vigil at yes. Friends? Yes, I do. 
Yeah, I don't remember who initiated it. I just know that I was sent a message from somebody about getting as many people as possible to go over there. So that's what I did. Well, and that I, was a beautiful, beautiful service. It was Bill really amazing. Was there. Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and unexpectedly, because he came back to Baltimore because of, of with Dutchie. Right. And then it, because everything was just happening so right. spontaneously. Right. Um, but that was, that was really quite a, quite a moment. And I, I learned from, from Carrie recently that they had wanted to do it at cathedral. And for some reason or another cathedral wasn't actually able to do it. So they pivoted and went to friends. But then it was like a month later when Monsignor Roy and Cathedral had the mass. I think back to some of the things like the, the vigil at Friends School. I was about what I was just going to say. I think it's around oh, this time. That was the following week, I think. Was it the following week? Yeah. I, I think that maybe McDonough had had some kind of prayer vigil oh around gosh. this time. McDonough had a um, gathering in the Horn Theater, and we were there. It was packed. I mean, standing room in the in the outer area, completely full of students and faculty and family and friends praying for Archer, wow. all together. I mean, it was. And, and a secular school. Exactly, you know? a secular school. I mean, it was amazing. And, and, and at one point, I remember we were trying to get the prayer cards for the junior class. And Jeffers was going to give them out. And I emailed the head of the upper school and said, you know, would this be okay? You know, it's a secular school. I, I respect that. You know, it would be sort of an opt-in. You know, Jeffers could make an announcement. If you want one, I've got them please see me after the assembly or something. And it took the school a while to get back to me and I actually had to send them a follow-up email and say, you know, could you, you let me know? <laughs> right. Um, and I couldn't believe, you don't know this, but I couldn't believe the response. The response was, we don't want to do it for the junior class. We want to do it for the whole upper school. Oh my goodness, I have the hair on end on my arms. So, oh we, my gosh. So we were going to, you know, we were going to have a couple hundred prayer cards for the junior class, and we ended up having to get more printed so that we could bring 500 for. And she said, you know, I want, I, I don't want to offer them just, I want to offer them to all students and all faculty. Wow. And I mean, that was just so amazing. So, Archer touched so many people through so many different ways, but these vigils, the one at Friends School where Billy spoke, the night vigil, yeah. candlelit vigil, yes. was staggering. And at that point, it was sort of touch and go. That one was earlier. Um, so it, anyway, it's just amazing to, to have seen, to have personally been there. You know, what's what's coming up for me with, in both of those um, illustrations at McDonough, the secular school, and then at Friends, a Quaker school, mm -hmm. What was told to me later by faculty at McDonough was that there was something like in the ethos that needed healing. Mm. And in a crazy kind of way, the connection, the grade, 
the upper school, mm -hmm. and then the rest of the school was embraced because the school had been so torn asunder mm. by a previous event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, Interesting. I have no doubt in my heart that it would have still been that beautiful response. Mm -hmm. It may have taken a little while to figure out what that'll be, right. you know, what will the appropriate response be, but, mm -hmm. but somehow or another, I think that energy that emanated because it didn't just end that day. Right. And the school, the faculty, were very much um, involved in I want to ask you about that prayer vigil at Friends School. Do you know which one I'm talking about? It was also back in August. Yep, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. Did you go to it? Yeah, I did, I did. Um, I can't exactly remember who I was there with. I'm pretty sure I was there with, um, I know my mom was there for sure, but um, I'm pretty sure I actually went and stood with some of my closer McDonough friends. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was there. I remember it very clearly. And I, you know, my cousins went to Friends, but I hadn't really been on Friends campus very many times. So that really is the one time I've been on Friends campus. So that's kind of what I know of it is that kind of, um, I don't even know what you would call it, the, the kind of patio that we were standing on um, with some trees in there. So I, I definitely remember it. Um, remember it very clearly. But I remember it being very close by the date. August 27th. Yeah, and it was still very fresh at that point. Uh, I think that was the point where uh, some of the updates were coming along and, you know, I think, like, being there was, uh, I think it was good. I think everyone needed it because I think there were a lot of people sitting on their phones reading and not, like, understanding how many people were there reading it, uh, reading all the updates. So I think that part of it was really good. Well, it was at a, it was at a time when Archer was um, had really had been so touch and go. We were past three weeks entering yeah. four about just whether he would make it. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was what I was going to say was I, I, you know, it was powerful, but I I distinctly remember like it being uplifting, but I remember being very scared at that point, um, and I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway was. Um, you know, it was, it was great. It was awesome. I don't know if, if I was really ready yet because I was still very, very scared and very nervous about all of it. Um, but I think it was great because I hadn't really talked to my close friends at McDonough about it as much because it was kind of the closing of, of summer. And I talked to it with my soccer friends that I'd seen at the start of soccer stuff. But some of my other friends that I hadn't seen as much, um, you know, I remember with James Margraff, some of those very subtly, some of my other close friends being there. And I remember that was kind of the moment where it started to blossom out into everyone kind of talking about it. And, you know, hearing what everyone's different experiences they were going through was. Um, because, you know, my connection to Archer is very different than everyone else and, and their connection to your family and things like that. Um, but I think it became the thing where, you know, we could talk about it with each other, which um, I think you know, 
that the prayer vigil kind of opened up that portal for you all being able to talk about it. Yeah, and I don't think things like the T-shirt happen if the prayer vigil doesn't happen. Because that you know starts starts the ball rolling of being like, oh wow, there's hundreds of people standing around uh, with the lights out. Uh, I do remember there was a picture that was really cool from that night, um, and, and you know, just it, it really looked like a million lights. Hey Lisa, did you did you go to that vigil at Friends School? Yes. Or the Mass at Cathedral. And that was another. Um, I mean, there were just so many like confirmations or affirmations of like what was happening because um, even with that, so it's like, yeah, we're gonna definitely go and and. And I arrive, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting all of those. I mean, I, there were thousands. I, I think there were a couple thousand people there. Yeah, that's what I um, And so like everything along the way, like each time, it was just like, wow. Look what God's doing. Yes. Look at what God's doing. I had no idea. I mean, I just thought it was going to be, you know, a few people gathering. I remember we were way in the back because there were so many people. And for me, that was just one more, one, you know, another thing that he's going to be okay. Thank you for listening in. I hope this bonus episode helped to stir up some good feelings and warmth while it spurred some ideas for how you might show up for others in your circle of influence. The power of collective prayer is very real. And collectively, with single-pointed purpose, we all have the ability to create energy fields for healing, whether you personally know someone or not. Yep, you're showing up for another, taking an hour out of your regular activities to be purposeful and present with others in their crisis, or for others you may not even know, is a powerful and generous act that can create a trauma-healing memory. And in unison with others, it can change an experience for a lifetime. As always, follow us on Instagram at Blink of an Eye Pod and find us on Facebook at Blink of an Eye Podcast. Season three is in the works and we'll be coming to you wherever you listen to podcasts the end of February. This gives you time to catch up and go back to episodes you may have missed. And please 
Tell your friends or anyone who might be home in quarantine or isolated due to COVID-19 to start with Episode 1, Season 1, to binge listen to a riveting story that will help the time fly by and provide new insights. listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by I See That, the Integrative Center for Trauma Healing, Advocacy, and Transformation. I See That is a multidisciplinary nonprofit that provides tangible support, trauma healing education, and advocacy for those experiencing crisis or trauma. To donate, please visit www.icthat.org. That's the letters I-C-T-H-A-T dot O-R-G.